the Rosh Yeshiva, the Web Yeshiva. And uh, I hope you all consider the Web Yeshiva and uh, join us to study some Torah together. Um, can you move the picture somehow, Ezra? So I, uh, okay, great. Uh, now I can see it. No, I don't really see it quite. Yeah, oh. Okay. The beginning of the parish of Titzaveh. Before we start, I want to mention again this is being given to Dr. Chuck Feldman Zal, dedicated by his loving family. And in the past, I've offered, I've uh, thought about and reminisced about uh, Dr. Feldman, who was an extraordinary doctor and educator and uh, just a wonderful person, uh, beloved in his community and by the people he managed to support and to help. So I'm happy to be able to do this, to give a shear in his memory. So the Pesach says, the first Pesach at Tetzave says this, Vata, I have to move this here. Do you see it? Vata kreve lecha da'arona kicha. Vata kreve lecha, Rashi says, lachar shetigmor, so we have two parashiyot, the parasha of Truma, which is the parasha of Melechet HaMishkan, the physical place, which we call Mishkan, English tabernacle, right? That, uh, uh, and after that, after the discussion about the physical Mishkan and the physical vessels that are going to be in that Mishkan, all of that is followed by the parasha of Titzaveh, and the parasha of Titzaveh, the parasha of Titzaveh is about Big Day Kuhuna, about Big Day Kuhuna, and that's um, somehow the aspect of Purim that we're going to try to think about. The second pasuk says, Vasita Big day Kodesh Larona Chicha Lichavod Ulitif Eret. Those words, Lichavod Ulitif Eret, of course, are difficult. Lichavod Ulitif Eret. We know that the word Kavod the word Kavod is a synonym for the appearance of God. Tiferet is uh, a more physical kind of word. It has to do with how things look uh, so the second thing, the first problem that we have is why did HaKadosh Baruch tell Moshe Rabbeinu HaKrev Eilecha et Aron Achicha? If Moshe Rabbeinu is going to announce or, de, or, or, or determine that Aaron is going to become the Kohen why is it hakrev elecha? What does that have to do with bringing him close to Moshe Rabbeinu? Now it's true that Moshe Rabbeinu was the Kohen Gadol before Aaron's anointment as Kohen Gadol. But why 
Why would God formulate in that way? And the second problem is what possible meaning could there be to Lichavod Vilitiferet? Now we'll come back to this, but if we go to the next page, to page two, Ezra. Thank you. There's another pasuk. There's another pasuk that interests us, and that's in the pasuk of Achremot, uh, which says, "Bezot yavo Aaron elakodesh." This is how Aaron will dress when he goes to the kodesh kodeshim. When he goes behind the parochet into the kodesh kodeshim, right? in the holy of holies, on Yom Hakipurim. He'll take a par ben bakar lechatat. He'll bring two animals, one for a chatat for a sin offering and the other for a uh, a burnt offering. And then the pasuk says, pasuk dalid, says, kitonit bat kodesh yilbash, umichlisei bat yuel bisaro, ubavdeit bat yachkor. So I'll translate, kitonit bat, kitonit is some kind of an outer garment made of bad of linen, he'll wear that. Michlisei bad, he'll have pants also made of linen on his on his body and a belt of neit bad, yachgor, mitznefet, mitznefet is a hat. All of these things made up of bad. So these are not the, these are not the, uh, Begadim that are discussed in the parish of Titzaveh. These are different Begadim. The, the garments that are made or discussed in the parasha of Titzaveh are garments that are very fancy. They're filled with gold and silver and techelet, right? Things that are really very, very dear, very, very rare. No one wears clothes of that kind except except the king. Except the king. The clothes that the Kohen wears on Yom Kippurim when he went into the uh, Kodesh Kodashim were very simple. They were white. They were very plain, very plain kinds of uh, of. Uh, So you have an interesting fact that when the Torah says, Hakreve lecha to Moshe Rabbeinu, bring him close to you, what kinds of clothes is uh, Moshe Rabbeinu going to give Aaron? Well, very fancy ones. Very, very special and fancy clothing. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes the Kohen Gadol going into the OMOA, going into the most sacred place within the Mishkan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says only four begadim, four different articles of clothing, all of them made of bad, something simple, something obvious, something that anybody could get something that anybody could get. So we have another mystery in the story of the big day 
HaKohen, and that is that he had two sets of clothing. One set of clothing that he wore every day, every time he did the avoda, a, a service in the in the Beit Hamikdash or in the in the Mishkan, every time, and whenever he sacrificed himself, he did the sacrifice himself. He had to wear the, that clothing, and he had another set of clothing for the day that he went into the holy of holies, where the holiest place in the Mishkan. On that day, he just wore simple clothing, right? A shirt, pants, a hat, and a belt. That's what he, that's what he, uh... and this is all introduced by the word bizot. You see, Pasuk Gimel, the word bizot? The word bizot means, it's, it's, a, it's a word of pointing. It points at the, these are the clothes. These are the clothes that he's going to go into the uh, uh, the Kodesh, the Holy of Holies with. Rashi comments, Bizot, Gematria Shalom, Abamot Veeser, Remez Lebayet Rishon. How would you classify that statement in Rashi? Rashi says, if you take the Gematria, Bizot, it's 400, 401, 408, 410. The gematria, the tough is 400, the aleph is one, the zion is seven, the bet is, is two, it's 410. So what is 410? Remis Labaitri shown. The number of years that the first temple was extant until it was destroyed, 410. Remis Labaitri shown. So what Rashi is saying is uh, he doesn't really he not really know doesn't know how to fit that word bizot in. He really don't need it. And so Rashi says it comes to give me a hint that we're talking about the we may be talking about Baidri show. Let's look at the next Rashi. Bezot Yavo Aharon, the Abzu, Lobekolate. Right? Even, it doesn't mean that he always can go into the Kodesh Kodesh if he wears these clothing, this clothing. No. He can only go into the Kodesh Kodesh once a year. Ki im biyoma kipurim. That's what it says. Ki im biyoma kipurim. Kimo shemeforash. Then there's the enumeration of the of the big day Kodesh, Kodesh Bad Vachulei Bagid Rashi, Sheino Mishamesh Lifanim Bishmona Begadim. And when he goes into the Kodesh Kodeshim, he doesn't wear the eight articles of clothing that are described in the parasha of Pitzaveh, right? After all, those bigadim are made with gold. They're made with gold, yes. The fish ain't categorized that after all, you don't expect the prosecutor 
to become a defense attorney. Who's the prosecutor? The gold that they used to build the Egel Azahav. So when you see gold, you think of the Egel Azahav. So how could how could the Kohen Gadol go into the Kodesh Kodesh to ask for mercy when he brings with him the, accu the accuser, the gold? Right? Ela ba'arba'ha kikohen hediot that all year long the Kohen Gadol ate articles of clothing. The regular Kohanim, all the others who are working in the Beit HaMikdash, four articles of clothing. So he, the Kohen Gadol, is kind of demoted. He's demoted on the spot on Yom HaKippur even. The Kodesh Baruch says to him, oh yeah, you can go in. But uh, you, you're going to look like a regular, like a regular Kohen. We'll be able to tell you. To tell the difference, Rashi, like a regular coin. The Chulam Shalbutz, and they're all made of linen. Big day Kodesh, Kodesh, Verchatz Bissara at Bamaim at Bissaro, the Beisham, that's the Possum. Somehow they are big day Kodesh. They have a special standing. Sheyu Michel Hegdesh. So Rashi explains they should belong to the Beit Hamikdash. When it says Bitznefet Bad Yitznov Yitznov Ketagumu Yechit Bereishay, he'll put it on his head. Yaniach Bereishay. Rashi translates the Uklus. Kemol Batanach Begdo Vachtate. Right, Vachtate. That's that's the Uklus rendition. To put it down, to place it upon. Rachatz b'mayim. It says in the pasuk at b'sarau leveishav. First, he should wash his his body. Oto hayom. Rashi says that untvila bekol chalifotav. That untvila bekol chalifotav. Every time he changes his clothing, he has to immerse himself in a mikveh. Vechamesh pa'amim ayamachlif. He would change five times. And that's, that's why it, it says five times. When he changes from the gold embroidered clothing to the simpler ones, when he goes back to do the Regular avoda bekol chalifat ha'untfila u'shneikid o'shei yadaim v'raglaim miayikor and he has to wash his feet and hands twice from the kior from this big uh, in uh, in Shlomo's time it's called the yam so 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 you have this kind of interesting idea that. The high, the more significant the avoda, the simpler, the simpler he looks. The simpler he looks, the more regular he looks, the less distinguished he looks. I mean, you might say, you might say that even though we work or the kohen, the koharim, we work all the time on humility. We know that humility is a wondrous uh, 
a, a wondrous midah, humility. We know that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man, Nasa Adam B'Tzalmenu Chidmutenu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the heavenly hosts, what do you think? Should we make it? Should, are they, are they, and, and so it's said in the plural in the Pasuk, should we make, should we make it? And Rashi says, Rashi tells us, this is the humility of a Kodesh Baruch. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? God is not humble. God is always perfect. So what's the humility? So it seemed to me always that that Rashi meant to say that God created humility for our base. What's humility? Humility is a kind of a choice. It's a way you decide to be. It's a way you could decide not to be. And the greatest of the humble children of HaKadosh Baruch the greatest created humility was Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Torah itself says about Moshe Rabbeinu that he was the most humble, the most humble of all. What is, why was Moshe Rabbeinu the most humble? Because he had received the greatest honor. He was on Har Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, then again for 40 days and 40 nights. And during that time, Moshe Rabbeinu learned, learned the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch So it's like if you say to Moshe Rabbeinu, do you want to have, a, you want to have a fancy clothing? You want to look like a king? You want to be, have the, the fanciest chair? And HaKadosh Baruch said, you know, I had, I already had as much honor as you could possibly have. I don't need that. I don't need any, I, I give it all away. All the possible honor that might accrue to anybody it doesn't stay with me, it's not gonna be mine. I remember the story that Rabbi Gustman Zichrona Lebrocha told. You know, he was also, uh, some people thought exaggerated his simplicity. He was a great uh, Torah scholar, but he did not, uh, was not interested in the external trappings of a Rashi Yeshiva. He presented himself very sim simply. And somebody asked him, he said, Rabbi Gusman, I mean, isn't it the honor of Torah that you should get dressed up in a fancy way and look and sit in a fancy seat? So Gusman said to him, I want you to understand. To that person who asked him, he said, I want you to understand. I was, I was appointed a judge in the court, in the, the, the Beit Din in Vilna at a very young age. And when I came into the courtroom to take my seat, when I came into the courtroom to take my seat, uh, all the Dayanim, all the judges who were in the room stood up. And so what more honor could I possibly have? What honor could I have that would be worth stretching out for? So that was that was Rav Gustav. 
And that's the level of concern he had about, about humility. And so, again, it seems odd that in the parish of Tzitzaveh, in the parish of Tzitzaveh, he's dressed up in what the Ramban calls kingly clothing. The clothing that is, that is known to for a king. And here in the parasha of, in parasha of Ayikra, Peripet Zion, it says, Nova, when he goes in, when he is the best that he could be, when he is the most that he could achieve, where there's nothing that's beyond anything that he has ever done, very simple, regular clothes, the kind of clothes that every Kohen wears when he's out wherever he is. So we have that, we have that interesting, interesting uh, uh, question. I'd like to digress for a moment and uh, say something that relates more clearly to Purim. You know, when they they established the calendar. You have to forgive me for not telling you the dates, not perfectly clear. It's a question for the experts. But we know that we have a calendar. We all know that we have a calendar. And the calendar that we have, the calendar that we have is based, it's like a lunar-based calendar, the moon, and it's intercalated, which means that we try to make the year go more or less with the sun. Uh, we sort of say the sun gives me the year, but the moon gives me the month. And so I have to accommodate that somehow. So every couple of years, I add a month to the Hebrew calendar. And that month is called, we call it Adar Asheni or Adar Bet. And in other words, in a regular year, in a regular year, uh, Adar is followed by Nisan. And so we have Purim in Adar, the 15th of Adar. And then four weeks later, we have Pesach. That's the regular calendar. But what happens when we add, when we add a, um, a month? What does we add a month? So the question the Gemara was, if you add a month, when do you do Purim? Knows you have Adar, Adar, Nisan. So on a regular year, on a regular year, we uh, do Purim in Adar and Pesach and Nisan. But what about a leap year where we have Adar, Adar, Nisan? So there, there are various attempts, various attempts to answer that question. But Rabbi Shim Gamaliel said, Rabbi Shimon Galil says we'll do Purim in the second Adar. The second Adar. Why? Why do Purim in the second Adar? He said because we have to connect the smoch geula le geula adif. It's better that we should bring the Geula of Purim 
closer to the Gulav Pesach, that somehow they should they should go together. They should go together. So listen again. Rav Shem Gamliel said, Vasmich Gula le Gula Adiv. He said all the other reasons, the other reasons uh, are, are not as important as this reason, not so important as this reason. Put them at Gula le Gula. Gula le Gula Adiv. Rashi says in the Gemara there, it's a Gemara in Megillah. Rashi says, what's Gula le Gula? Purim le Pesach. Purim le Pesach. You have to push Purim into Pesach. What, what does Purim have to do with Pesach? I mean, I know Purim is in Adar and Pesach is in Nisan, but I mean, after all, Pesach, the Gula of Pesach is making Am Yisrael. Before that, they were just a community of slaves. They were unable, they were unable to kind of function independently as the community of B'nai Yisrael. And Yitzhak Mitzrayim did it, did it for them. How did it do it? I don't know. I mean, I can guess, I can think, I can assess, right? We tell the story every year when we talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim at the Seder. But Purim is not about remaking Am Yisrael. It's not that kind of geula. It's also true that Purim took place in a specific place in the world, right? And even though we try valiantly to reconnect Purim to Am Yisrael and to Eretz Yisrael, Right, the, the, the Megillah says it itself. Mordechai and Esther wrote to Jake Nesadagdola, and they said, listen, make us a holiday. We're, we're celebrating our own uh, salvation. We were saved, those of us here in Paras, maybe maybe other nations as well, maybe Achazverosh was uh, kind of in charge of, of many nations. But they were not apparently in danger. The danger came from Haman, Paras, Shushan. That's where it was. And where was it not? It was not in Eretz Israel. It was not in Eretz Israel. But we have this strange halakha, as you know. Those of you who live in Yerushalayim certainly know that walled cities, it was determined somehow, it was determined by the Chachamim, that if you live in a walled city and that wall was there at the time of Yeshua bin Nun, Yeshua bin Nun brought the Jews into Eretz Canaan and divided the land up for them. That Yeshua bin Nun, that Yeshua bin Nun is the determining point for adding a day to Purim. And you have this very odd situation where you have a holiday that's celebrated in one place on one day and the same holiday with the same memory is is uh, celebrated in another place on a different day i mean how how does that fit into anything we've ever thought of or learned the day also that's chosen the the me the the, the meter like how do i know wh which i am Am I in a walled city that celebrates the first day of Pesach or the second day of Pesach? They say, well, just ask Yoshua Benun. 
Now, what does Yeshua Bidun have to do with Purim? What the world cities have to do with Purim? It said that even Shushan Abira was not a walled city. Was not a walled city. So you see that there is this attempt. There is this attempt to say, there is this attempt to say about Purim that it was a, a, a national holiday, all of Am Yisrael, that it produced a great change, right? The Chachamim say they accepted the Torah again. It's like, like the, the reality is overturned by the halachic aspect of. So we have these two things to think about. We have the clothing of the Kohen. We have the clothing of the Kohen. And we have the problem of Gula le Gula. So I'd like to want to take a look at uh, something the Svatanet wrote. Remember the problem of, of, of Bizot. Uh, as we get me the last page, the uh, thank you. So the uh, the Svatamet, you know the Svatamet uh, was kind of original in the way he thought about things and the things he adds to help me think about things and I hope to help you think about things. Look at what, what he says to Midrash. He quotes a Midrash, it's Midrash Rabbah, Kishamara Kodesh Baruch Hu Right, that's the pasuk that we learned before. You bring him close, bring Aaron close to you. Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu was distressed. He was unhappy. What was he unstressed? What was he distressed about? What was he distressed about? Here's Svatamet talking. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu actually would have wanted to be the Kohen. And if Moshe Rabbeinu was the Kohen, then the avodah, the service of God, would have been on a very high level. Moshe Rabbeinu had this special status. That were ready to have that kind of leadership. So according to the Svatamet, for the Svatamet, Moshe Rabbeinu was really slated to be the Kohen Gadol because he did it. He went and he, I mean, you know that the Ramban says and the Rabbeinu Bechaya clarifies that the Mishkan is in many ways on the pattern of the of Matan Torah. 
with things that happened when the Jews were standing at the foot of the mountain and saw God and God spoke to them, to them say, telling them the assert that they brought. So he says, all of that, all of that was in preparation for the Mishka. The Mishkan is, after all, a kind of copy of reality. And that reality, that reality was giving the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. And in that reality, there was one actor. There was Moshe Rabbeinu on the mountain talking to God. In other words, if you would carry the kind of this simile further, you'd have to say, well, well, who's going to be the Kohen Gadol? Who's going to be the one who goes into the Kodesh Kodashim in the Mishkan? Well, obviously, it should be the one who already did that. The one who went into the Kodesh Kodashim. Well, he was on top of the mountain, and he was studying the Torah with a Kodesh Baruch. I mean, that sounds like the Kodesh Kodashim and Moshe Rabbeinu, the Kohen Gadol. But he says, the Tzvat HaMet says, so there was a Shayu B'nei Yisrael Muchanim Mamash Kimalachim. They were ready, each one of them, at the beginning of that story, they were like angels. But after, after they, they sinned, the, the angel as a half, Hayahatikun B'madregan Muchamizeh. The fixing of things could only bring them to a lower level. In other words, in other words, it's only a chosik could say this. The Svatamet says it, and the Svatamet, the Svatamet meant it. That if the world had been running the way it should be running, if the Egel HaZahav had never been built, if the sin of B'nai Yisrael had never, uh, never come forth, we had never saw it, he says, there was no way that that part of the Matan Torah could be replaced. There's no way that Moshe Rabbeinu could be the Kohen Gadol, because the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol Moshe Rabbeinu was beyond the level that B'nai Yisrael could be accepting of. Like, what did the Kohen Gadol do? The Kohen Gadol went into the Kodesh Kodeshim and begged forgiveness for B'nai Yisrael. But Moshe Rabbeinu was already beyond them. He was in a different, he was not in the world of the tikkun, as he said, the fixing that took place after the golden calf, after Moshe Rabbeinu fixed it. Like you can fix things, you know, you fix them and you like glue it back together again, but it's never the same. After you glue the chair, and you set it up and it looks just fine. And you go to sit down, somebody in the house says to you, well, can you just be careful, be careful that it's going to come apart. Okay, it's going to come apart. So that's a tikkun. A tikkun never gets you back to where you were. It just looks good. It, it, it creates a possibility. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu standing there and saying, I want to be the going Gadol. I want to be the one that goes to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the, in the Kodesh Kodeshim. I'm the one who wants to go. I mean, who else, who else could do it as well as I could do it? Who else could be what I could be? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, no, no. 
you're already beyond that. You're beyond that level. And so the Pasuk says, Bataha crave. You gotta appoint somebody who's gonna realize that he's really not worthy. He's not worthy. After all, Aaron Akoi, he helped the people make the Egel Azahaba. Okay, maybe he didn't actually do it. Maybe he tried to stop them. Maybe he tried this, but he was somehow involved. And since he was involved, he was like, like he'll run away. You'll come with a big day kuna. He won't come near you. The call big day, I'm reading on. Call big day kuna you. All these pigadim are to raise the level of the person who goes who goes uh, uh, in the Beit Hamikdash, the Kohen Gadol, the gold and the silver and the tchelat ve'agaman. All of that raises him up. But that's not Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's an important line in the words of the Svatamet. Not only was Moshe Rabbeinu way beyond anybody else in the community, but Moshe Rabbeinu was like, wore regular clothes. He went up to Arsidai with his regular everyday clothing. He didn't dress for the part of Kohen Gadol. But you have to tell Aaron Akohen, you are not, you're not Moshe Rabbeinu, but we're gonna give you this special clothing. We're gonna give you big day malchut, the clothing worn, worn by kings. And the clothing that's worn by kings is gonna be yours. You're the one who's gonna wear it. And that will make up somehow for the deficiency that you have vis-a-vis -vis Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, shalom. It's a sixth line. Moshe Rabbeinu, shalom. Shimesh, He didn't need that. He didn't need that extra advantage because he was Moshe Rabbeinu. Because he was Moshe Rabbeinu. So Ataha craved Aaron. Aaron knows that he's not worthy. Aaron knows that he's like the default Kohen Gadol and that really belongs, the job really belongs to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Moshe Rabbeinu who could live without Big Day Kuna, could live without Big Day Kuna. And the only time during the year that the Kohen Gadol, the only one time that HaKadosh Baruch allows the Kohen Gadol to imitate Moshe Rabbeinu and Harsinai to go closer and to wear regular clothing. The only time is on Yom HaKippurim. The only time is on Yom HaKippurim. So we have to understand, we have to understand maybe that the Abed Shimon Gamliel, Abed Shimon Gamliel said, Mismach Geula Le Geula. We have to know that geula is a wide-ranging word, redemption. And not every redemption is the same as every other redemption. 
But I always try to think to myself, why Chayav Adam Lebesume? Why does the Gemara say in that Mishnah copy that we should get drunk on Pesach? It's like sort of contrary to everything I've ever thought about. I'm poor. I'm poor. I'm sorry that you have to that you have to get drunk on poor. If you have to get drunk, your head stops working, and you can't you can't achieve any kind of significant understanding if you're drunk. Drunk and halacha doesn't go together. Drunk and doing mitzvahs doesn't do not go together. So what what happened? So Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says you have to bring maybe. I mean I'm just. You have to say, you have to be masmach ke'ula le'ula. You have to show. You have to show the difference. You have to appreciate things for what they are. Right? There's a difference between Purim and Pesach. It's not the same. And the difference between Purim and Pesach allows you to get drunk on Purim, because you can't be expected to spend all of your time on that higher level of gulat uh, mitzrayim. So you have the gulat. Purim to prepare yourself for the Gula of Pesach. They're not the same. And it's the difference between them that has to be emphasized and learned. So we understand that on the one day of Yom Kippurim, the Kohen Gadol was allowed to exhibit his own humility as Moshe Rabbeinu was able to exhibit his humility at Har Sinai. The Kohen Gadol does that by going into the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, but dressed in simple clothing, the simple clothing that the regular Kohanim wore every day of the year. And even though it's important for us to understand that the Kohen Gadol had to wear fancy clothing all year long, it's also important to understand that in order for the Kohen Gadol to be parallel to Moshe Rabbeinu receiving the Torah at Har Sinai, he had to wear simple clothing, the clothing of every Kohen had yoked, every regular kind of Kohen, and what they did. All the best. I wish you all a Chag Sameach. Uh, take care. Be well. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach.